Damn it, Kendo, Shag Hennessy's office right now. <laughs> So today I have Blake with me. Um, Blake does some blogging, writing, twittering, and general Facebooking. Um, Blake, introduce yourself for the listeners before we get into discussing what we're drinking. I am Blake. I call you better known by some as the Dirty Deacon, given to me lovingly by my manager at Barnes & Noble, which I work seasonally for. Uh, that came about because they had never seen a Christian that uh, cussed so much as I did, drank so much that, as I did, listened to as much hip-hop as I did, and watched as many horror movies as I did. So they were just a little taken aback, I suppose, and uh, hence the Dirty Deacon. Um, I write... I've recently kind of moved towards focusing in on my writing. I used to write just about anything, TV, music, movies, just whatever kind of floated my boat at the time. But I've tried to focus in specifically on on horror film as a means of getting at uh, the Christian faith and especially um, the grace of God through very dark uh, matters. Uh, both supernatural and non. So uh, most of my stuff is found over at my site, blakeicollier.com, and y'all can go over there if you dare. All right. And what, what, are you, <laughs> what are you drinking tonight, Blake? I'm drinking uh, one of your favorites, I know, um, is Sierra Nevada's Torpedo Extra IPA. Uh, it is... As, as with a lot of things, I have my favorites and then I have my go-tos. And Torpedo is solidly in my go-tos. It's my comfort beer. Uh, I'm a big IPA guy, which I know you've recently been kind of turned off from. So that is what I'm drinking. It's very floral, very uh, bitter on the back end especially. And, uh, man, it's just, uh, it's just a solid IPA in my opinion. Now, are you... I'm asking this out of ignorance, so I'm, I'm just going to confess my ignorance. Where is the Sierra Nevada brewery? I know it's in California. Do you know where specifically? Chico. Chico, okay. So that, that whole West Coast hops thing, as I have as politely as possible described it, many times it's like just sticking a pine cone in your mouth yeah. and mm-hmm. trying to chew and swallow that pine cone. Which leads me to ask the question, have you drank the Pine Drops IPA? From Deschutes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it was okay. <laughs> it's, but it's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> it is exactly. So the one time I've had that beer, it was on tap. It wasn't bottled. And I do think that uh, many of Deschutes' beers are better on tap than... Oh, easily. Easily. So I think all beers are probably are. I haven't had too many of them that were better bottled. Yeah, so. I, I haven't had many either. So um, it was good, but I've never bought it. Never bought it in bottles. Um, I don't know if it's. I'm assuming you know, we're both Texas, Texas individuals, so we've got some of the same Texas craft beer gripes. I'm sure. Oh yeah, um, we do. They're not uh, Deschutes, at least even in Austin, or is not particularly cheap. And 
and yet the uh, pine drops, I think is what it's called, is substantially uh, two to three dollars more than the other six pack offerings from Deschutes. So, um, you know, when it's when it's pushing like the ten fifty for a six, and I'm looking at some of the other stuff from Texas that's cheaper. Yeah, that that pine cone flavor is just it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, about eight ninety nine here is about the cheapest you're going to find a six pack of anything. So, I uh, you know, normally a lot of the Deschutes up here is around nine ninety nine, ten ninety nine. So, well, I am drinking one of my favorites. It used to be a seasonal favorite. It's Real Ale's White. It's their Belgian inspired Weed Ale. I'm not sure if you've ever had this. But they just recently this year decided to make it a year-round beer. So it is um, now not a one-time experience during the year. It's a all-summer, anytime you can make it to the beach or anytime you can make it to the pool or anytime you can make it to the river kind of beer, which for them is a very good thing. It's light. It's got you know, some of that Belgian yeast. So it's got a little bit of a floral element to it, a little fruity, a little sweet. It's got the, um, coriander, got a little bit of orange peel, you know, kind of, kind of like what you imagine blue moon to be, but done just a little bit better. So I, I want to say I've had that cause I've, we had a real ale dinner, beer dinner, uh, in this area, uh, a few months back. And I went to that, and I want to say that that was one of the beers they served with the food, um, but I'm not sure. So I'll I'll keep an eye out because I like pretty much everything by Real Ill at this point. Yeah, they are they are definitely one of my favorites. They're a lot closer to my neck of the woods than than yours for sure, and so they are one of the cheaper beers also in my neck of the woods. So that's originally how I gravitated towards them. Their distribution costs to Austin are not very high. <laughs> so they they are able to come down significantly in their price. Normally them and St. Arnold, the other you know, flagship of Texas craft beer, are always on a good deal here in Austin almost a universally appreciated beer. Like everything from Sierra Nevada is pretty revered i love their rye i don't remember what the the name of the rye is oh yes the rye is uh it's um uh yeah i'm not gonna be able to think of it but i know which yeah it's it's ruthless rye rye yeah that, that's a phenomenal beer it's that is, very that good it's a very good beer it is so. and i i will take rye any day over everything else so um, full moon from real ale yes it's one of my favorites yeah while scenes from the past rise before me Just watching the bubbles in my beer And I'm seeing the road that I've traveled A road paved with heartaches and tears And I'm seeing the past that I've wasted While watching the bubbles in my beer A vision of someone who loved me Brings a long silent tear to my eye As I think of a heart that I've That will conclude what we've got with respect to beer. And I know we could talk about beer for a while, but I really want to get to where you are 
most comfortable and where you spend a majority of your time writing and discussing, and that is art and theology in art, or I guess you could even say just religion in art. So I'm going to lay out just a blanket question of what does art signify to you? How do you think it needs to be used in the world in general? And how do you think art needs to be used by Christians in particular? Okay. So I've never been able to figure out quite exactly how to define art, at least in any kind of comprehensible way. Um, it's got to be something that um, finds attraction and appeal and connection both intellectually and emotionally. Um, and that's a wide range of things just in those two categories. Um, as, you know, emotions can be anywhere from joy to, you know, sadness to fear to whatever. And then, you know, intellectually, it's just all over the place. I mean, it can, you can literally make art about any subject. So, yeah, uh, as far as signifying, I I tend to lean towards the, I guess, the darker tinged stuff. Um, I've always liked the, like if we're talking paintings, I've always liked Francis Bacon uh, and his very outlandish, horrific uh, paintings. Uh, I think they're very interesting. Um, as far as how... Christians should use art. You know, it's that's that's a little bit more of a difficult question in the sense that it's it's something that is not there's no right answer in the sense that there are millions of ways to do it well as a Christian. Um, but I tend to go back to the idea that you know, God created creatures who create. And if we created, you know, using the the image that he gave us and the ability he gave us and the beauty that he gave us, then we should be willing to make the best art that we personally can. Um, instead of gearing it more towards you know, specifically propaganda. Um, cause I, I differ. I, I think there's a difference between propaganda and, and, uh, you know, being evangelical in art. Um, a lot of, uh, what we perceive as Christian film nowadays is, I would say more propaganda than it is, uh, evangelistic in nature. Um, I think art, if done well and done, you know, by Christians who allow their faith to, to show forth uh, properly and well, I think those can be very strong and very evangelistic in, in how they affect people. Um, I know for me, there's th kind of three sources that kind of led me towards how I view um, art and how I view um, writing about it within a Christian framework and 
you might be surprised at some of them. I don't know. Uh, one of them is probably uh, Van Til. I actually wouldn't consider myself a Van Tillian per se, but I take his uh, concept of uh, presuppositionalism and I say, well, on some level, we have to assume uh, using his tenets that uh, if we all push down the truth of God, that we all push down his natural revelation, uh, his general revelation, then none of us are completely successful at completely, you know, bearing it. And so every piece of work on some level bears that imprint, uh, whether they realize it or not. And so that's kind of the imprint I look for, um, because they're going to be inconsistent in how they approach their art. Um, then I look at um, Scott Derrickson, who directed uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose and Sinister, and he's doing Doctor Strange coming up, uh, who is a Presbyterian, I believe. And he gave me the idea that, uh, you know, Christians tend to have this um, problem where they want to get to grace too quickly. Um, and he said, you know, the key to telling a good story is to show, you know, to make, like you were saying, the darker you use darker and the brighter you use brighter. And so you have to go through the difficult parts and be descriptive and not prescriptive, but descriptive about them in order to realize and to show the audience that grace is this brighter moment and it is pulsing and it is flat out um, just like it'll, it'll just, you know, pop you on the face. It's, it's just out of nowhere. Uh, and then Flannery O'Connor would be the third. Um, and her, from what I've read of her, she... She taught me how to appreciate uh, the uh, those people who make stories by drawing big pictures. Uh, her her big thing was her characters are always very big and very big personalities and uh, horrifying in their own way. But that's because she felt like everyone was desensitized on some level, so she had to make them that way in order to get past our you know, desensitization. So I, that's why I tend to appreciate horror is because of all the genres I see, horror tends to have the biggest pictures with the biggest characters.